Well, I think we could just leave. If we could just go this way instead of this way, I would dismiss you. But I, I don't think that time has quite come. But uh, what a joy it is to be home for just a little bit, to come back to Southwestern. I've had a chance uh, a few times to come back and forth. But just to be here and to reminisce and to uh, be with Dr. Patterson and Miss Dorothy, who are a personal blessing to Beth and I, they have reached out in so many ways to just say uh, and show their love and Dorothy to Beth. And by the way, she told me, and if I don't tell you right now, my age, when you think of something, you just say it. So um, she wants you to send us more of those beautiful tapes playing the piano of the Southwestern. You know what I'm talking about? She plays them while I'm sleeping all night, okay? So I listen to whoever's doing that. It's good, though. So I'm going to make sure when, when I talk to her after this, she's going to say, did you ask Dorothy to send me some of those tapes? And I said, yes, I did. Y'all vouch for me. I have some of my staff over here with me. I look so forward to just tonight. Uh, I have no idea what my beloved friend, or it might be former friend after tonight, uh, <laughs> is going to ask. And Brother Tommy, I don't know if you got anything or not, but... Uh, we're just going to come and just share our hearts with you. Let me just stay personal for just a moment. Uh, the days at Southwestern were so great in my life. I pastored a church in Sulphur Springs and uh, went, went every weekend up to Sulphur Springs and came back in the wee hours of the morning. And I know they gave us off on Monday. You still give the students off on Monday? They don't do that anymore. Back then, they gave us Monday off so we could write our resignation letters uh, <laughs> from the bad experience we had on Sunday. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it has been such a joy to know Brother Tommy French. And, and tonight is going to be something that's never happened before. And, and I just want to be personal about this and tell you that the Lord brings us together and one other human being, and that is uh, my father. My father, L.D. Morgan, was a graduate of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He came from the fields of Mississippi and came here with one eye. When 15 years old, he lost his right eye and wore a glass eye, and you could not tell it unless you were standing right here, and, and he could not see you when you came forward for the invitation. And, you know, people thought, well, he's separate. Everybody comes from the left, but nobody from the right. But after a few years, you know, that passed by, and he stuttered but when he was in the second grade, God called him into the ministry. From the second grade until he came to Southwestern Seminary, he never preached, and everybody ever met said, now, Laburn, you can, do, you can serve God without being a preacher. There's a lot of ways to serve God. They were in sympathy for the people. I mean, you know, if we don't let them out to one o'clock and don't stutter, you can imagine what a stuttering preacher might do uh, when they get to go to the restaurant at 2.30 in the afternoon. But anyway, be that as he will, my dad stood up in the preaching class at Southwestern Seminary and preached his first sermon and never missed a syllable. He went 50 years preaching and never missed a syllable. People would come hear him. When Tommy was five years old, he led Tommy to the Lord in East Texas oil field where his dad was a roughneck, went over to lead his daddy to the Lord, and Tommy was there, and when he got through and his daddy gave his heart to Christ, Tommy said, I want to be saved, five years old. And, of course, he had to go through a theological education at five, what it meant to be saved. And, uh, but my dad led me to the Lord when I was seven years old. This, this one-eyed, stuttering Mississippi 
cotton field preacher. And then when it came time and, to, and we told my dad, uh, Tommy before me, I want to keep emphasizing that, uh, he's a whole lot older than me, I just want to make sure. <laughs> but every time, it would always, uh, when he went and told dad that God called him to preach, daddy licensed Tommy, same way with me. He ordained both of us. He, he uh, helped us get uh, into uh, Southwestern Seminary and Baylor University and then Southwestern Seminary. Then when we started the churches, Daddy helped a little bit in Jefferson Baptist Church in Baton Rouge and helped us start in a, in a rice paddy in Houston on five and a half acres with about three or $4,000 and, and uh, a debt, which we inherited as our mission. But that's another story. Not there anymore. And uh, then the time came and uh, we got married and Tommy and Dad married both of us. And now, 50 years later, as far as we know, there's only been two churches in the Southern Baptist Convention in its history where a church was started, not where a man stayed there, but started the church and stayed there 50 years. And so we're going to be here together, and tonight we're going to talk about that. How do you quit planting churches and start growing one? How do you find out God led me here, and I'll stay here till I die, but I'm going to be doing it God's way. So we're going to talk about that, and it'll be very practical, I promise you. And Dr. Patterson's been so gracious, let us come. So please come, and we're here today. I'm going to stay till tomorrow, because I want to hear Brother Tommy preach. He's preached in my church, I've preached in his church, but I hadn't got to hear him preach at the seminary. I hadn't got to hear you preach in a long time since you retired. But anyway, so let's have a good time. Let me pray, and I'll bring my message. Dear God, thank you for our time together. We just love you more than anything. We thank you for this seminary. We thank you for these students, and we thank you, God, that you've called us. And I pray, dear God, that there will be a, a major impact made in the next few hours on your kingdom that everybody here will know they're special to you and that they're here because they have been called into ministry. And you don't call us, Father, and then put us out to where there is no place to use us. And I pray that you'll just bless every word, every conversation, and all this time, and we dedicate it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> One of the things that I like to talk about in general is there's a difference in an effective church and a successful church. A successful church is a church that reaches a lot of people on Sunday morning that come and they enjoy the preaching, the singing, the buildings, the special effects or whatever, and then they go their way and then they come back the next time and they bring their friends who do the same thing. But an effective church is a church where something happens among its leadership, beginning with its pastors and its staff, and then moves throughout the congregation, and they learn the difference in what it means to be an attender as opposed to being a disciple. They become a follower of Jesus Christ, and they, and they understand that God doesn't want anybody to come sit in our services on Sunday morning and enjoy our music, regardless of what kind it is, and then leave and come back and leave and come back and never understand that God has a plan for your life. If you're gonna be an effective minister, you've got to put down roots. You can't bounce around for the better deal. You, you're not in the ministry career. You're in a call. God has called you, and if he calls you, he's got a place for you to serve. But I'm gonna talk to you real quickly about something I hope you remember. This is not a new sermon I got ready. It's 40 years old. 
I have spoken in many different places, uh, especially among students and young people. It's something that changed my life that God gave me 40 years ago. I want to talk to you about character, about character. Let me give you a definition. The definition of character is doing right on purpose. Doing right on purpose. You see, if you don't have any character, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the good looks in the world. You can have all the great ideas in the world. But if you don't have any character, you don't make it in the ministry. And today is the most epidemic time. If you would sit in my office, you would hear the phone ring. You would hear the conversation. And we're seeing staff members fall like flies across America because there's no character there was a grandiose idea that God has called me to be on the stage. Wow, I'm sure that's going to impress people. Oh, it will for a little while until somebody comes to bless them a little bit more. And besides, your songs have got out in a date, so we need somebody else to take your place. But when you got character, God can use you in doing anything he wants to, and that's a root that when you put that down, you never have to apologize to the Father at night for the way you have disobeyed him during the daytime. And here are the five things. Number one, and by the way, the book of Daniel. I wish I had time to, to exegete. I know it'd make the president happier and so forth, but, uh, and it'd make me happier too, I might add. But for time's sake, do you know who Daniel was? You remember Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem. Daniel's there, the man of God. Okay, that's in the first chapter. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, now then Daniel appears. You realize, uh, I mean, you remember how he got put in the jail. All right, now that sets up the story. Now keep your Bible open and underline these scriptures, and I'm going to give you the points very, very quickly. Number one. A person has character, learns to say no before the question is ever asked. Now, if you want a spiritual word for that, it's called conviction. It's not called moderation. It's called conviction. The Bible says thou shalt not on a lot of things. Do you know what those things are? Not what is your generation doing, but what does the Bible say? Thou shalt not. Daniel was put in the jail, and you remember the, the man came to bring him because the king wanted to use him. He brings him the, the wine, and he brings him the bread, and he says to him, I want you to, the king wants to entertain you. Here's his best wine. Here is his best food. And notice, if you will, at the 8th verse of chapter 1. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. He didn't pray about it. He didn't think about it. He said, I'm not drinking that wine. And I'm not eating your meat. The God I serve is greater than Nebuchadnezzar. The, the God that I serve is an awesome God. But let me tell you something, young people. 
If you don't have any convictions, you're going to get tempted like you can't believe. I'm telling you, if you're going into the ministry, your temptation is going to come up on you far greater than people that never darken the door of the church. That's a way of life for them. But when it comes to you, with all the pornography and all the social drinking and all the cursing and all the R-rated movies and on and on we could go, you better get in a quiet place and get the Bible out and find out what you're going to say no to. And when somebody says, if you love me, you will, you say, I love Jesus and I won't. And that is absolute essential in the ministry. That's the way you stay somewhere. You don't have to run from a woman or run from a man or run from a situation. You have convictions and you live by them. People know. And the temptations begin to cease. But they don't come near as often. But when you stand before a crowd and you want to appear to be sensual, watch out. Number two. Trust the wisdom of God rather than the logic of man. Now let's run down to verses 11. And, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> through 15. Do you remember how he told them, what he said, if you don't drink this, they're going to cut my head off, you know, and it's going to all, all go to pot. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. So then they come back 10 days later. And the scripture says, when they came back later, verse 20 in chapter 1, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and all the astrologers that were in all of his realm. Look what happened here. He trusted the wisdom of God, and he was 10 times better off. That's character. That's carrying you to that next step. And then number three. It really gets tougher as it goes along. We've got to go over to the second chapter now, and we're going to go to the 46th through the 49th verse. To have character, you can get promoted and yet remain the same. You remember what happened to Daniel? You remember how he read the dream and they brought all this stuff out and said, here it is, here it is. Look at you. We're going to promote you. You're going to get a bigger office, more salary, bigger car allowance, and a lot more vacation time. What did the scripture say? What did he say? He said, let Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have that stuff. I'm not in this for what you can give me. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I just want the others to get blessed. Listen to me. Always want your people to be the blessed ones. Let your people know they matter to God. Let your people know you're not in a ministerial career trying to move to the next stop, step. God loves them. You love them. And God will meet your need and he will bless them. But Daniel is our example of that. That he could get all of the honors bestowed on him, but it never went up here. He said, I want these to be blessed. Now go to the sixth chapter. Sixth chapter. Number four, Daniel was committed to do right, whatever it cost. What did it cost him? He went to the lion's den, right? What is it going to cost you when you do right? I don't know. But I know this. You don't want to be a politician and be in the ministry. You want to be a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart. 
You want to understand, this, I am here wherever you are because God put me here and he said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And when I get ready to move you, I can move you. And if it's not a lateral move, then he can move us right on up. But the point is, what you want to put down in your heart is, whatever it costs you, if they run you off, thank God. I told you this story when I was in chapel. It's a true story when I was at seminary. I had a dear lady in my church in East Texas. God help her. I mean, it was terrible. I could not please her. No way. The sermons are too long, too short, too funny, not funny enough. I'd always visit the wrong people. I mean, it was pathetic. So bad that I was going to use my Monday. I left my church and came to, to William Fleming with intent the next morning of writing a resignation letter. And I said, I don't have to put up with this old lady. You know. I mean, I had a pity party, par excellence. But every night when I'd get here about 1.15, I'd call home, mother and daddy, only child, spoiled brat, mama on one phone, daddy on another, staying up, make sure their little baby got home. <laughs> and uh, so I was supposed to call them. I was only about 23 or whatever, but anyway. So I called. My daddy answers the phone. And he said, son, son, son did, did, did you have a good, good day? I said, terrible. He said, oh, what? I said, terrible. I said, I'm resigning tomorrow. I said, I don't have to put up with what I had to put up with this weekend. He said, well, well tell me about it. So I told him about this lady. He said, son, son is Beth in bed? And she was. She had to go over to the Bedford School District, had to get up 5.30 in the morning because I could sleep on Monday, you know, with the day off. But anyway, I said, yeah, she's in bed. He said, well, find you a place to pray. And here's what I want you to pray. He said, you get down on your knees and you thank God you had a place to preach today. He said, God called you to serve and you had a place and you thank him for that. And then he said, and son, thank God you didn't marry that woman. <laughs> Woo, I'm telling you, I have used that for years. And if you're a female, it can go the other way, all right? You understand what I'm saying? But I just want you to know before you go out there, there's a whole lot worse things than being on the staff or being their pastor or ministry of education or music or whatever. You could have married them. So here's what you want to do. You just do right whatever it costs, and when God gets ready to move you, he will move you, and you'll be blessed, and the ministry where you were will be blessed but don't you be one of those that wants to move up the eschological uh, scale. All right, number five, and we're through. If you have any character, you'll give all the glory to God. In Daniel 6, 22, you remember the lion story, don't you? Best part of the story, you know? And you remember how the king walked away and he came back the next morning? All the lions... You know, no problem. Daniels said, I'm okay. And uh, that was the way it happened. But the next thing was for the news media to come out. CNN was there. You know, Fox News was came. 
the local folks came. They had the crime. I mean, this is a great story. Now, you talk about a number one bookseller. You know, all he had to do was come out and say, you know, well, first of all, I'm going to give God all the glory. But said, that's the meanest bunch of lions I ever saw in my life. I mean, one came at me, and I just took him by the jaw, and I just ripped his jaw out. And I turned around, and one was coming from the other way, and I stuck my hand down his throat, grabbed him by the tail, and jerked him inside out. And I just want you to know, it was a tough night. But bless God, he, he just allowed me to defeat the enemy. Man, that would have been a great seller, if not a movie. But look what he said. My God has sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth. That won't make a bestseller book, but it'll make a ministry. The devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, and he loves to devour those that are in the ministry. But he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. And if you have God in your life and you have character, and somebody asks you, well, how are you, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks to Calvary. I'm doing good, thanks to Resurrection Sunday. Preachers, preach the resurrection. Don't get hooked on Easter. Don't stop at the cross. Get to the tomb. The world today, before Jesus comes again, needs to hear Jesus is risen. Some of them think he's died on the cross and was buried. And he's going to come back, and how can that happen? Because he rose on Sunday morning. But we have to be a people of character in the ministry. The world needs to look at us and see, behold, how we love one another as the body of Christ. But we love one another because we all love him. And the thing that brings us together is we've all come to him. And if you want a better example than Daniel, when you get in your room tonight or wherever you may be staying, I want you to take those five points, look at that, the life of Jesus Christ, and you'll see all five things vividly portrayed in his life. When the devil tempted him, he already had the scripture, and he just quoted the Bible back to him. He knew what he was going to do. Do you know what you're going to do? You don't say, I think about it, I'll pray about it if it's wrong. You say, no, I'm not. And you'd release the results to God. Jesus trusted the wisdom of God instead of the logic of men. Not my will, he said, but thine be done. And then he humbled himself, Jesus did, even to the death of the cross. Then he went to the cross and he gave everything. Everything. He died in order that we could live. And then he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. All glory, all praise went to him. I want you to bow your head for just a moment. I want you to think about that day when God called you. Has it happened? I hope it has. I want to believe that it has. If it has, you can't do anything else and be happy. That's one of the sure signs of a call. You can't do anything else. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. He bought you with his blood. Now, if he is in you and he is calling you and has called you, don't lose your character. Don't hurt the body and the bride of Christ with your 
selfishness and your desire to just taste a little bit of the things of this world, but abstain from all appearance of evil and follow him. My favorite invitation song is wherever he leads, I'll go. They were singing that when I gave my heart to Jesus and they were singing that when I came to the altar and told my father, God's calling me to preach at the age of 15, wherever he leads. Think about it. Had you rather be anywhere else than where you are right now, preparing yourself to carry out the call of God on your life? It doesn't get any better than that. And the longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. If there's anything that Brother Tommy and I can do individually to talk to any of you, I brought with me some of the preachers. We have a bunch in seminary right now. We provide scholarships for our kids, but we want them to go to Southwestern if that's okay uh, with the president over here. We want to get them in school, but here's what I want you to know is God loves you, and he knows right where you are. And it doesn't get any better than saying, here am I, send me. Could I pray for you? And again, if we can talk to you today personally, we certainly would be glad to do so. And tonight. Dear God, thank you for these students. Thank you for this school. Lord, I can just tremble physically in thinking of the history of those that have walked on this campus that are walking with you now, of the impact that they made, of the generations that they, they convicted so much and introduced you to, stayed the course, and did not seek to go after other gods, did not seek to be relevant, but rather to be real. And I do pray that you will bless right now, as only you can, every student, every faculty member, every employee, everything that's going on, even the workers that are putting the roof on the building. Just bless them today with your Holy Spirit's power. And may wherever we go, people see Jesus in us. And may there be many Many, many, many people born again because they cross paths with those in this auditorium right now. And we praise you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.